98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station, Bigly Blast. If I were delivering a pep talk to the Cardinals on Sunday morning, I would tell them to look around the locker room. I would remind them that some team might be partying and spraying champagne in this very room on February 12th. And imagine how awful that would be, how violated you might feel if that team wasn't you. If somebody was raging in your home and you were watching them on television, partying on your property, hanging from your chandeliers. Now, the idea of a home team winning a Super Bowl is no longer a dream. It's actually a trend. And yet, at times, the Cardinals have not seemed like a team that is all in on the financial pursuit of a trophy. Now, maybe they would point to Murray's contract as proof to the contrary. And maybe Murray is ready to put this team and this city on his shoulders, able to lift this team above all its flaws. And I think these HBO cameras in his midst are going to pull the very best from him. But then again, I thought the same thing about last year's playoffs. I thought they were going to bring out the best K-1 we've ever seen. And that's the thing. This team has not only failed under adversity, they've been exposed by it. They have pointed metaphorical fingers. They flashed middle middle fingers. They've shown very little composure at high elevation. And that has to change. And in the end, Kyler Murray has to prevent Glendale's third Super Bowl from being a hideous spectacle like L.A versus LA, the Chargers versus the Rams for all the marbles in Arizona. Now that would be unspeakable. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable with two great locations and one great experience. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Isn't it amazing? We went 54 years of a certain event in football. Yeah. And it always became a thing. Who's going to be the first team? To play a, a Super Bowl in their home stadium. Right. And now we've seen it two years in a two row. Two years running. And in Tampa, it was weird because it was in a pandemic and they had limited seating mm-hmm. in that Super Bowl. Uh, and then last year in L.A., it, for it to have happened two years in a row is quite something. And you think about the context of the Super Bowl in Glendale. Okay, So we've had two historic games in Glendale, for, or two for two in Glendale in terms of making history with our Super Bowls. Oh, two of the better Super Bowls we've seen. Uh, the, 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 the New England Patriots chasing 19-0 perfection, losing to Eli Manning. The helmet catch. The helmet catch. With the helmet catch, and Bill Belichick literally so ticked off that he left the sideline before the game was over. And then followed up by the Patriots atoning for that by beating Russell Wilson on the goal line with Malcolm Butler. So you look at it, this year you could have Tom Brady coming back to Glendale for a third time puke. No thank you. You could have Russell Wilson aiming at Glendale for revenge, for redemption with the Broncos. Yeah, right. Or you could have L.A. versus L.A., which would be the absolute worst for Arizona, wouldn't it? Chargers, Rams, all of LA. What are you shaking your head? That for? would be bad for everybody, but That's especially bad here. Yeah, I uh, mean the, the optics of that would be just terrible locally. To your point uh, in the blast, the gist of the blast was the pep talk. Like, yeah, hey, you don't want anybody partying on your field. I don't know if you wrote uh, read Bob McManaman's piece on AZ Central at the end of last week where it talks about unfinished business. And there's a quote from James Conner in it. He said, "Quote: We want to be the team here playing in it. I don't want nobody else using our locker room getting ready for that game." It's our locker room, so it means everything to us, and that's what we want to do this year. I did not see that, but that's I'm very, very inspired by that. 
So that's so James Conner's feeling the same way. I, that's good. You would want a, you would want a football team to feel like this is really our property. Yeah. You know? But I mean, and I hate to be like the the bucket of cold water. But you got to have the goods to back it up. In yeah, September it's one thing to say yeah. oh, I don't want anybody partying in our yeah. locker room in February. Well, I know. And do the Cardinals have the goods to back that up? That's wh- and that's why I'm so that's why I'm so confuzzled by the by the underfunded nature of this defense. You would think of all years to throw money at this, this would be the year. I'm confuzzled by the underfuzzled team. <laughs> Shut up, Jared. <laughs> but that's that's kind of what it is. I mean, it, it's like we saw how in the Rams were last year. They made that quite obvious. The acquisition of Von Mill, just everything they yes. did, they were throwing dollar after Odell dollar. Beckham Jr. All of it. Yeah. By the way, where is Odell Beckham Jr. playing football this year? It's going to be the Rams. Did you okay. hear? They still have his locker ready for him with a nameplate over it. Is He's that not right? even signed. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like the world's worst kept secret. Yeah. Okay, so, um, and it's funny because there are a lot of people who think that everybody in the NFC West is playing for second place, and there are people who think the Rams are vulnerable. That'll be interesting. It's the 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 lack of definition in the NFC is quite something. Tom Brady is Tom Brady. The Buccaneers have elite talent, and yet they've suffered a lot of injuries to the offensive line. And there's the Tom Brady weirdness. Yeah, I mean, it, it is strange when you consider the Cardinals' position because I think they still play in a very tough division with two teams that could be better than them in San Francisco and the Rams. But outside the NFC West. I agree with you. There's a ton of question marks in the which, NFC. Which is funny because the Buccaneers, you would think on paper, should be the favorites. I mean, they have so much talent. Because the other team you would say was the Packers, but the Packers lost their second best player. Yeah, but by the end of the year, we'll be talking about how awesome Alan Lazard is. Could be. <laughs> and how they're 13-4 and four again. <laughs> exactly. And they're going to lose in the second round again. I'm I'm fear I fear we're going to be talking about how awesome Allen Robinson is. That's what I fear with because that that guy is an underrated wide receiver that has now dropped down in Los Angeles, and he's the number two guy. Yeah, there. yeah, and and it's and again, like I said, everyone's pointed to the Cowboys, and now there's this there's this been this Vegas rush of people throwing uh, smart people throwing down big money on the Eagles. Will they be dangerous? How dangerous are the Packers? Will those lack of wide receivers be a problem for them, or are they just loaded? I I don't know if you can just lose Devontae Adams and and, and fly high as an offense, but we're going to find out. Aaron Rodgers will throw for 500 yards. Aaron Rodgers is always flying high, so it's all good. Whoops! Hey, it's easy to fly hey, high man. when you've got... It's like a thousand hands on me, man. The hands of hundreds of your right. ancestors <laughs> massaging you in Peru. Yeah, they're all saying, Aaron, why do we all hate you? Did you see this what? note, by the way? <laughs> um, Larry Fitzgerald joining ESPN's Monday Night Countdown crew. Well, Larry, what about me? <laughs> oh, no, don't leave me. Don't Does this leave mean me. the end of the podcast? Don't leave me with Tom. <laughs> well, props to Fitz. Wow, how yeah, about that? Interesting. Huh? Yeah, Andrew Marchand's got the whole story on New York Post. Uh, Fitzgerald will be on about five to seven shows this season. He compared it to what Alex Smith did last year and had a similar role to see if he liked doing the programs, and he's back this year, too. He's an interesting on guy. Same, on the same note, NewYorkPost.com. I'm getting a, a more Arizona-related news. Frank Kaminsky, former Phoenix Sun, engaged to ESPN star Ashley Brewer. 
Okay. What? From Arizona. Okay. Yeah. New York Post has got all the wow. scoop, man. Oh, yeah. Hot Goss. Congrats to the cute <laughs> Hot couple. Hot Goss. That's what they are. <laughs> yeah. HotGoss.com. That's time. the New York Post, all right. <laughs> it's time for Character Counts, brought to you by Parker & Sons Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing. The Phoenix Mercury collected a record number of more than 3,200 pairs of shoes in the fifth year of BG's Heart and Soul Shoe Drive, the team said in a release this week. The initiative began in 2016 after center Brittany Griner saw homeless people in the Phoenix summer without shoes on, so she started driving around with boxes of shoes in the trunk of her car in case she found someone in need of a pair. This spurred the founding of a shoe drive by the Mercury, who have since partnered with the Phoenix Rescue Mission, who raised $27,000 for the program this year. The Mercury continued with the drive this season despite Griner's absence and collected more shoes than the first four years of the drive combined. Well done. That's Character Counts, brought to you by Parker & Sons Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing. Coming up next, some great sound from the current LSU coach and a former LSU coach. We'll share all of it with you next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Seven FM, Arizona's sports station. Dan Bickley, Vince Morata. Bickley and Morata mornings. It is the Wednesday edition of Bickley and Morata mornings, live from the Octane Community Studios. Dan Bickley, Vince Morata, Sarah Cazell, Jarrett Carlin, taking you up until ten o'clock. Um, we got our first full week of college football last week. One of the big storylines was Brian Kelly's debut as the head coach of LSU. And he lost that debut. Um, almost came back and, and at least forced overtime, but a blocked extra point gives Florida State a win. I think there's a lot of people around college football that just revel when Brian Kelly loses. Yeah, uh, I'm well, one of them. His energy, his energy is just so bad. Even after that game that had a, a, a thrilling, fascinating ending, he was acting like everybody around him let him down. He was he had this attitude that, well, you know, I don't think we could play any worse, but. Hey, Hey, it's only my first game here. Who knows? As in, uh, I, I don't know. I just, I've never been down with Brian Kelly. Um, me neither. Uh, well, I mean, ever since that awful tragedy at Notre Dame that he just kind of. That he just kind of brushed aside a yeah, little bit. kind of skated yeah. away from. Yeah. Uh, just awful. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the energy, the energy is a good word when it comes to him. Don't so, like it. Uh, he had a certain energy yesterday in his Monday press conference. Um, and this is, I guess, how it started. That will uh, will open it up to this late arriving uh, media crowd that uh, must have uh, enjoyed the the weekend. Um, that's usually ten dollars um, that we put in the kitty um, for. We'll, we'll have a big bash at the end of the year at my place. <laughs> I don't think it has anything to do with winning. I think it has to do with being on time. Now, if you couldn't hear that, that was a reporter chiming in from somewhere in the room. Maybe if you win, I uh-huh. would be on time. Uh-huh. And everybody was like, oh, Brian Kelly gets roasted. Blah. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, there was other people that criticized the reporter for it. Yeah, uh, she she even went to Twitter and apologized shortly afterwards. Yeah, her name is Leah Van. Mm-hmm. She covers LSU sports. She said, uh, press conference was at noon. I was running from a doctor's appointment. I got there at 1157. Brian Kelly. Kelly called me out, said jokingly I owed him 10 bucks. I said if he won, maybe I'd be on time. Not my finest hour. I apologized afterward. He was super chill and said I still owe him $10. <laughs> okay, that's good to hear. That's good to hear that he didn't take it any any further than he did. But if she got there at 11.57, I'm assuming the press conference was at noon. Yes. So was she really late? Was he early? I'm looking at her account right now. She mm-hmm. says she got there at 11.57. 
Yeah. So maybe just start a little bit early? Maybe if you're not early. You're not 10 minutes early or late, one of those guys? Well, one of those guys, Tom Coughlin almost lost a professional football team because of that very rule. And it all it all rolled around Michael Strahan. Michael Strahan showed up on time to a meeting. Tom Coughlin fi- fined him for not being five minutes early, and he, he, he Michael Strahan was was in total disbelief. Like what? In what world does that make sense? And so he eventually had to tell Tom Coughlin, "Dude, you're losing the team." Yeah, and he changed. Yeah, I'm glad that Brian Kelly was able to be chill about it with this reporter afterwards. I thought the clapback was hysterical. Yeah, a bit unprofessional. I'll say that. Um, That's not something I would do. But at the same time, you know, who knows what it's like covering that guy on a daily basis? Oh, yeah. I might be dreaming when I bring this up about the whole late thing as it pertains to football. Mm -hmm. Did you guys see the video the Cardinals put out asking players certain different questions? And one of the questions was like, would you rather be 20 minutes early or 10 minutes late? I, I, I know I saw this. And I believe of everybody that answered the question, somebody actually even brought, brought up the point like, who would answer the other way? You always say 20 minutes early. Right. Kyler Murray said 10 minutes late. No, he did not. He did I, not. I have to find it. Oh, wow. Unless I just dreamt this, which, why would I dream about something well, like that? Well, they did do a lot of those coming off the practice yeah. field videos during training camp. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do some scrolling. Okay. Um, they don't like to just sit and wait around. I get that. Being too early to something is awful. No, yeah. but being late is, being is, the, is the worst. worst. Being yeah. late is the worst. I've I've Be- always believed that because even though some people have a hard time being on time, and I understand that, it's the message you're sending is that my time is more important than your time. Also, okay. not not just being late, but when you know you're going to be late. Everything about it, about it is the worst. Driving to the place, you hit every light. Oh, yeah. And right. Your belt loop gets uh-huh. stuck on the door handles. <laughs> Spill coffee in your right. lap. Exactly. Yes. Everything yeah. happens. Uh, so Brian Kelly, the current LSU head coach. Mm-hmm. Ed Orgeron, the former LSU coach. He was on stage again at the Little Rock Touchdown Club. They got a lot of big name guests over there. Uh, but he told a great story about his buyout at LSU when things went south. This is a guy who won a championship there, by the way. Oh, <laughs> and, right. And was quickly uh, ousted when things went south. Here's uh, the unmistakable voice of Ed Orgeron telling this story. I'm so grateful of my time, fellas. That was my opportunity. You know, coaches got a shelf. Some coaches got 50 years. Some coaches got 12. Mine was six. Good. I got to tell you, we had a meeting. Say, coach, things are not going well. No yeah, Ray Charles can see that, brother. <laughs> and they were good. And Scott Woodward is a friend of mine today. Really, really, a lot of respect for the way they handled me. So yeah, what's so, next? Well, well I got to tell, tell you this, though. Say, <laughs> Coach, you got $17.1 million on your contract. We're going to give it to you. <laughs> I said, what time you want me to leave? What door you want me out of, brother? <laughs> <laughs> that is so outstanding. Here's $17.1 million to go away and not work anymore. How a guy that sounded that sounds like that wasn't a 
lifer well, at LSU it doesn't got, make sense. Well, listen, it does make sense if you if you if you paid attention to the story. He got a little wayward, Jarrett. I, I know. I'm he just got saying very, that. He got very wayward. I, I just mean that, like, th- it I, just I felt know, like I know it, culture and coach that, like was such a. Perfect that's thing. why he's telling the anecdote. He's telling the anecdote because LSU has decided that guy and that championship and that team and that accent. We're going to put that under glass and we're going to keep that as a, a shining moment for the program. We're going to forget about. You know the TikTok or the Instagram when he was in, but oh you know, all that stuff, yeah. hitting on pregnant women at gas stations, <laughs> all that stuff. We're gonna forget about all that. We're just gonna focus on go, oh, <laughs> and, and I'm cool with that, and he's cool with that. And and that what a great anecdote. A friend of mine said that a statue of Ed Orgeron should be put in front of every college football stadium <laughs> just because of that <laughs> press conference. <laughs> he can really pepper the gumbo. <laughs> Uh, uh, Matt's got my back. He, it wasn't a Cardinals thing. It was all the guys from the the new Heisman House commercials. Oh. It wasn't an actual commercial, but like a like a viral video that they did. And Tim Tebow was actually the one that called out, "Who would answer the other way?" And Kyler Murray was the only Heisman winner that said <laughs> ten, ten minutes yeah. late. The contrarian, of yeah. course. Thanks. Thank goodness. I scrolled Matt. back to July twenty eighth on the Cardinals Twitter. I'm like, I can't find this. That's my bet. I, I, I I that's it, okay. It was actually pretty funny. It was it was well done. But, yeah. yeah. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate that. Coming up next, we will get. A, our first look at the Cardinals' Week One opponent, the Kansas City Chiefs. Adam Teicher from ESPN will join us next. Bickley and Murata mornings, ninety-eight-seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata mornings here on ninety-eight-seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. As we get you closer and closer to uh, Day One of the NFL season, Sunday, State Farm Stadium. Kansas City Chiefs in town to take on the Arizona Cardinals in a very intriguing Week 1 matchup. Here to give us a look at the uh, Chiefs, ESPN Chiefs reporter Adam Teicher joins us on the Arizona Sports Line. Adam, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Uh, we're just trying to figure out what we have in this NFL team here in town and the Cardinals. And I think we know uh, a, a lot of what we'll see from the Chiefs offensively. But I wanted to start on the defensive side of the ball with you, Adam. How much of a concern is the defense uh, of the Chiefs going into this year, especially when you lose pieces like uh, Tyron Matthew? Yeah, it's significant uh, concern. Um, the Chiefs have a lot new on defense, and uh, you know they're going to uh, play at, at least three and, and probably four or even five uh, rookies. Uh, going to get some significant playing time on Sunday, so uh, you know, they have some other new pieces as well, veteran players who are new to the Chiefs. So uh, there's a lot to put fit together, and even the defensive coordinator uh, Steve Spagnuolo has made some references over the last few months about. They're, they're racing the clock to get ready on uh, defense for the regular season. So uh, you know, the Chiefs were 29th in the league in sacks last year. Uh, I don't see any way they can uh, make it back to an AFC championship game if that's the case again this year. So um, I, I don't know. I, I think the Chiefs have some pieces to be a, a competent defense, but are they going to be ready for Sunday? And are they going to be ready for a challenge like a, a quarterback like Kyler Murray? I, I don't know that. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see for sure. Certainly Arizona Mirror those exact same concerns. They've got a defense that looks very vulnerable as well. What is the what is the vibe of the Chiefs offense without Tyree Kill? Yeah, it's going to be a different um, deal for sure. I mean, I, I can't imagine it's going to be as explosive as it's been, but uh, that doesn't mean they can't be as productive. Uh, 
you know, the Chiefs did sign Juju Smith-Schuster. They signed Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and they drafted uh, in the second round Sky Moore. They still have McCole Hardman back from last year. So they have uh, a, a top four that they feel like is pretty solid. Uh, again, there's probably no there's no Tyreek Hill in that group, but uh, maybe they can make up for it in the numbers. And it's kind of interesting that Pat Mahomes completed 18 passes during the preseason, and they went to 10 different receivers. And he sort of indicated that that's how he expects this to go this year, that they're going to be spreading the ball around, that, that Travis Kelsey's going to get his at tight end. And then um, there, there might be a different guy every week who uh, who steps up or is going to need to step up from their wide receiver group and, and the running back group. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it operates. You know, the, We have a small window going back a few years now of the Chiefs playing without Tyreek Hill. There were, he, he missed a four-game stretch back in their Super Bowl championship season of 2019. And the Chiefs were, and Mahomes was very good during that time. I mean, eight interceptions and, and no, or eight touchdowns, no interceptions, a, a quarterback rating of almost 80. So, um, you know, he, he was very good. But that was a long time ago, and, uh, you know, things have changed for sure. Adam Teicher from ESPN. He covers the Chiefs. He's our guest here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. In, in mentioning the receivers, you mentioned the rookie, Sky Moore. And this is the time of the year, as you well know, Adam. You see all these projections, award winners, people picking uh, who's going to win what award. And I see Sky Moore mentioned a lot for a possibility for Offensive Rookie of the Year because of the great opportunity he has in that offense. Uh, tell us what you've seen from, from the rookie uh, in, in his first training camp. Yeah, I mean he he's been pretty versatile. Um you know, he he's not a not a big guy, not particularly fast, but uh well built. Um you know, he, he looks more like a running back really than a wide receiver, but uh Chiefs were using him in a number of uh, ways. You know, they they did line him up on occasion in the backfield and um were throwing him uh, you know bubble screens and and things designed to get him the ball in the open field because they feel like that's one of his strengths is he uh, the way he runs uh, in the open field. They're actually, you know, trying to make a punt returner out of him because uh, they, they feel like uh, you know he can excel in that area. So uh, I, I don't know how much he's going to play. I, I think he'll play some for sure on offense. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how all that part of it shakes out, particularly early in the season. But um, I, I do feel like there's something there. And eventually, if not immediately, he's going to be a contributor for the Chiefs. What do you think about just what is the motivation level with with Kansas City, given the fact um, coming out of that loss to Cincinnati in the AFC championship game? What, 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 it's considerable. I mean, there's that left a really bad taste the way that game uh, uh, finished up uh, in a lot of people's minds. I mean, Chris Jones, their defensive tackle, has is, is, is talked about his motivation all offseason with a couple sacks that he missed on Joe Burrow in the second half of the AFC championship that allowed Burrow to get out out and make some plays and and uh, you know if he makes either or both of those uh, plays that he's referring to she's probably win that game and go back to the Super Bowl so he's talked about it Mahomes has talked about it. I mean he had that miserable second half where the Chiefs got basically nothing done on offense and he, he was just terrible and he's talked about you know trying to bounce back from that so you know they're, they're significant there's a number of other guys who've made reference to how last season finished and I, I don't know you know how um, how you know, once the kickoff starts on Sunday, I don't know how much of a factor that's going to be, but um, certainly getting him through the off season, I think it was a, a big deal, at least for some guys, because um, there's a lot of guys in that locker room who were pretty unhappy with how it ended. 
Adam Teicher from ESPN, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. He joins us on the Arizona Sports Line. The AFC West for the last you know five years has been the Chiefs kind of playground, Adam. We all know that. That is not the case. Uh, we might be looking at the most loaded division in the history of, of the NFL with all four teams formidable to, to really good. Who do you see? If the Chiefs are the team to knock off in the division, who do you see as the, the, the toughest team uh, outside of Kansas City? I think it's the Chargers. I mean, I think that's a pretty good roster right there. And they've got a quarterback who seems to be uh, on his way up and and headed into the elite if he's not there already. So I think it's the Chargers. And uh, it's going to be interesting. The Chiefs, um, after they leave Arizona, they got to get ready quickly. they got a Thursday night game with the Chargers at Arrowhead Stadium in, uh, next week. So, uh, you know, a week from tomorrow, they'll be playing that game. So, um uh, you know, I think that's going to maybe be an early preview of who's going to win the uh, AFC West. What do you, and you know, what's interesting to me too. It, it seems as if there was a time when when Patrick Mahomes was seen as the bright young star in the NFL, and it seems like Josh Allen has kind of surpassed him or supplanted him at least temporarily. It seems like nationally, uh, it's it's amazing how many people are are, are picking the Bills to win this thing this year. Uh, does Patrick burn hot like? that does he internalize that kind of stuff is there still a ceiling for pat that he hasn't reached yeah you know he that, that kind of thing does uh you know motivate him and he you know i think he looks at the, the moves a lot of the afc west um teams made as motivation you know uh, you know every, uh, every one of those teams added a a, a, a pretty good pass rusher um you know, the Raiders added Chandler Jones, and the Broncos added Randy Gregory, and the Chargers traded for Khalil Mack. I mean, that that's at least indirectly aimed at him. So, um, you know, he, he he feels all that. So, uh, you know, he's a guy who's he's a little bit like Michael Jordan in that area. You know, any any slight or any uh, thing he feels like is aimed at him, he he uh, he uses that as motivation. So, uh, yeah, I think he feels it. And, and you know, we got that that, that second half of of last season. Or the last season's uh, AFC Championship game that we talked about earlier, and and you know there's people saying, well, he's going to uh, you know not play as well without Tyreek Hill in the lineup. I mean, he's got a lot going there in the motivation department. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see whether that makes any difference in the end at all. But uh, yeah, I, I think you know it's going to be a different kind of season maybe for the Chiefs on offense and for him. You know, he's going to maybe have to learn to to uh, accept what the defense is giving maybe more than taking those big explosions some plays down the field that he's kind of been known for. Adam, before we let you go, I want to ask about a former chief who's now here in Arizona. That's Daryl Williams, who was a guy who was pretty important last year in helping hold down that running back spot. And we didn't see a whole lot of Daryl in the preseason. He's listed as two or three on the depth chart at running back. But what kind of, how big of a loss is he for, for the Chiefs? And, and, and what are the Cardinals getting in him in your mind? Well, I mean, he, he was a guy who kind of held everything together for the Chiefs last year. I ended up leading him in rushing because. Uh, um, the Clyde Edwards Lair, their, uh, their, their starter missed, uh, five or six games with an injury. So, uh, they had to turn to Daryl Williams and he, he kind of delivered for him. The Chiefs, the way the Chiefs felt about Daryl Williams was this, that they felt like, um, 
they, they were comfortable with him in every situation. They didn't have to pull him out of the game in, in third downs or, or short yardage or goal line or any of that stuff. I mean, he could play in any down and distance. And that's why I think he, he earned a job with the Chiefs. You know, he wasn't just a specialist who could, say, play only on third down or could just run in short yardage or whatever it might be or was just a, a pass receiver or whatever. They felt like he was kind of a reliable player and that he was a, a good receiver, a, a, a reliable pass blocker, could run tough between the tackles. They, they thought there was a lot to like about Darrell Williams. So I was a little bit surprised when the Chiefs really didn't offer Darrell Williams' contract uh, when he became a free agent this year. They decided – they were going to go in some different directions. And I, I was a little bit surprised by that because I think he's been kind of a key guy for them. He's had some moments when he was with the Chiefs where he really uh, played well and, and bailed them out, helped them win some games. So I, I was a little surprised by that. Adam, great stuff. Thanks so much for giving us a look at the Chiefs this morning. We really appreciate your time. Indeed. All right, good stuff, guys. Talk Th- to you next time. Thank you. Adam Teicher, ESPN reporter for the Chiefs. He uh, joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. I don't know about you, Bick, but after hearing Adam talk about the Chiefs defense and what we've said about the Cardinals defense, we might have like a plus 80-point game here. They, uh, the, uh, <laughs> Take the, the over. Is, the difference is the Chiefs drafted a young pass rusher that they love. This George, George Karloff. Yeah, they yeah. love this kid. So we'll be curious to see if he can bring anything. Yeah, it might be, it might be an old-fashioned shootout. Now watch, it'll be six to four, something six like that. Six to four, yeah, six exactly. To four. Hey, there was a seven the to three Iowa, game yeah. in college football without a touchdown. So, uh, thanks again to Adam Teicher for joining us. Coming up next, it's becoming an NBA tradition at this time of the year. We'll tell you about uh, what it is next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings, ninety-eight seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata, Bickley and Murata mornings. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. It is the Wednesday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings. Coming to you live from the Ak Chin Community Studios. we got football on the mind, but it's also a, a, big, uh, it's a big week for basketball and basketball gamers. Okay. Is NBA 2K23 is coming out this week? So all the ratings are being <laughs> revealed. And just like football players, when the Madden ratings are... Uh, are uh, you know put out there and publicized, and they all go on social media to complain. The same thing happens in the NBA, and we're looking at you, Kevin Durant. Oh, of course we are. NBA Two K yesterday uh, tweeted out uh, KD Trey Five his uh, Twitter uh, handle is a ninety six and Two K twenty three. He quote tweeted it and said, uh, Ronnie2K, who's kind of the brand ambassador for the whole game, mm-hmm. I'm going to need an explanation on why I'm not a, why I'm not a 99. Wow. This has become laughable. <laughs> wow. Nobody got a 99. All right. Who's, yeah. ab- who's above Kevin Durant? One player. Giannis. Okay. Got in the 97. And then there's and- a group of players at 96, including Durant. <laughs> and he's complaining. LeBron, Joel Embiid, Steph Curry. Uh, Nikola Jokic, all at 96. Luka, 95. Kawhi Leonard, 94. Jason Tatum, 93. John Morant, 93. Mm-hmm. We haven't mentioned Devin Booker yet. Devin Booker, who's on the damn cover, didn't even make the top 10. Yeah. He's a 91. 11 guys higher than Devin Booker in the game in yeah. terms of rating. But Devin Booker got the cover. It's interesting. I Which guess- is their choice. You can market it any way you want. It's not always the best player. Yeah, you want to get new blood on the on the game. I, I get Fresh it. Fresh face. Uh, yeah. Devin Booker ninety one. Chris Paul ninety. 
So two of the top five guards rated in the league wow. play on the uh, the uh, Phoenix the Arizona Suns. There you go. <laughs> there you go. But the fact that Kevin Durant's whining about a ninety six is just more. It, it's just more on top of the ever growing pile of do you really want this guy? And again, I'm saying it with all due respect, he's a tremendous two way basketball player. But it, it, that you're complaining about that. One player of, in the entire league is rated higher than you, and you're taking offense to that. Giannis been, should be rated higher than Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, it feels like the last couple of weeks he's really – since since he sort of announced he was coming back to the Nets, he's really started to get like really petty on social media, like re-engaged with everybody and getting in fights with random people, with checkmarked people, complaining about stuff. It seems like he's really sort of like letting himself go again, letting himself loose. <laughs> He's got to get out of town somehow, right? Yeah, right, right. Uh, and again, it just it, it comes down to the matter of two. And if you're Kevin Durant and you think you're should be a 99 in a video game rating, but you don't understand why your team doesn't want to trade you because you're only getting you know a, a rack of basketballs in return. Yeah, it's just it's just a little too self centered, insulated for me. Uh, three point shooting ratings, by the way. There's one player who got a 99, okay. Steph, Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. Nobody else got higher than an 88. That's like Aaron Judge's uh, advantage in home runs in Major League That's Baseball. That's stunning. 99 for Curry, 88 for uh, Durant, Clay Thompson, Desmond Bain, and Luke Kennard. Didn't Cam Johnson lead the league in, in three-point percentage for most of the year last year? For a good portion of it. Uh, Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, Cam... Johnson, Johnson and Joe Harris at an 87. And Luca at 86. What was Luca's percentage? He shot, he shot like 20% from three point range the first month of the season. Wow. And they're all step backs when he shoots them. That is true. Um, yeah, so get your hands on the new game. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah. I think Friday is the release date on that. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Um, another basketball story that I thought was very funny. The Lakers had their introductory uh, press availability with their new guard, Patrick Beverly. Listen to this exchange. You'll be playing with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They will be playing with me. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. I made the playoffs last year. They didn't. That's the difference. Have you, have you guys started talking yet? Yeah, of course. Yeah. But I'm, for, I'm I'm glad that, you know, we get a chance to play with each other than, you know, anything else. I'm excited to see it go on. I'm excited to, you know, to get the battling going. In case you couldn't hear it because he kind of set it off mic. That reporter says you'll be playing with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. No, they'll be playing with me. I made the playoffs last year. They didn't. I had a little fun with that on social media. Where oh, I like, did you? I was mistaken. I thought Patrick Beverly won the whole title last year, and with that that gif of him jumping on the uh, remember that ridiculous play in game reaction, like they won the title in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can't I cannot get on board and actually respect, like, or not hate anything Patrick Beverly does. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Uh, there was a time when I really, really liked his game and what he was able to bring to a court. I think he's kind of, yeah. He, Jumped the shark? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, he's just, he's gotten a little too, uh, it's just too dirty, too gross. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan. Since we're talking NBA, what do you think about the rumors that the Suns are interested in uh, the two Utah players, Clarkson and Bogdanovich. I had heard that they had interested in Bogdanovich. I heard they were not interested in Clarkson. Um, what do you have to give up to get him? Bogdanovich adds an element that they don't have. 
but if he's going to be your starting four or in the rotation at four, you're running into the same problems that you had before. Not a lot of size. Your defense takes a hit there. Shooting is there. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one other yeah. NBA thing that I thought was interesting. There was a guy, uh, an AP reporter from Las Vegas, who last night tweeted out. Did you see this? He tweeted out. Um, let me find the tweet here. Multiple sources have told me it's Willie Ramirez is his name. Multiple sources have told me the NBA want to finally announce expansion to Las Vegas and Seattle during the Clippers' two preseason games at Seattle's Climate Pledge Arena on September 30th and October 3rd. The Lakers then play two preseason games in Vegas on October 5th and 6th. That got a whole lot of reaction. The tweet has uh, since been deleted. And this is from an AP reporter in Las Vegas. Really? does some radio work, too. Huh. But remember when that came out in June and Adam Silver's like, no, we're not doing that. I don't know what they're waiting for. It seems inevitable that those two cities are going to get a team, doesn't it? It Kind of, yeah. And, and that's what Adam Silver said. This league will invariably expand, he said. And why wouldn't they? Moment, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's... I, I, I'm not a big fan of Seattle sports, but I do feel bad for Seattle basketball fans. Yeah, the they, didn't, need, they gone, didn't deserve to have their basketball game ripped out of that city. This long without a team for, yeah. a, for a city that supported the team? Mm-hmm. Like I did. wonder if there would be sort of a reshuffling of the conferences then. There would have to be. The, yeah, one one could, team would have to go east. Memphis. Yep. Memphis is in the oh, west right now. East. Memphis is nearly on the east coast. You're so east. Imagine, imagine if Seattle's basketball team was never ripped out of Seattle and if Kevin Durant were a Seattle fixture for the past X amount of years, right? Like he would have been happy there. Could <laughs> <laughs> you, you imagine how much Vinny would have hated Indian. Kevin Durant if he'd have been in Seattle for the last decade? <laughs> Very rainy. It gets gloomy oh, there. Might affect oh his mood. He'd probably Could tap out. He did that? play one year for the Sonics, right? Did, yeah. yeah. That's like almost, that's almost Reggie Jackson on the Orioles. But his personality is very Seattle. Isn't <laughs> True, it? dreary, dour, and dreary, and, and if I'm not always mis- wearing a hoodie. If I'm not mistaken, Russell Westbrook was drafted by the Seattle SuperSonics before they announced the move to Oklahoma City, and it became official. So he was drafted, but oh. never played in a Sonics uniform. I think that's wow. So he has a Seattle Sonics hat at draft day, probably. But you know, eighty percent of the draftees don't wear the right hat on draft day. We know that. Uh, coming up next, we'll get into some social studies on Twitter with Sarah Cazell. It's Bickley and Murata mornings, ninety-eight seven FM, Arizona Sports Station.